What's up, everybody? Welcome to Hangout in the Holy Land, Land Grant's flagship podcast. I am Josh Dooley, and with me, as always, he is the Tony Yayo to my Lloyd Banks. He is the one and only Chuck Holmes. We are back in our normal Sunday slot. You guys should be listening to us. Shame on you if you do not, around 12 noon on Sunday. Chuck and I are actually recording on Saturday evening, though. Uh, We wanted to watch some of this Washington and Oregon game. Chuck, I know we don't want to talk about it and sound unintelligent pre-result, but I would just say this, Pac-12 football is everything that I wish 80% of the Big Ten was. Like, they're not playing the same game as Iowa and Wisconsin that I like I flipped over to mistakenly for a cut I was like this is awful this was a, a poor decision on my part I immediately had to turn it back um, but it, it's an exciting game Chuck big picture you know how has this weekend been treating you college football wise what have you been watching what are you interested in what do you want to talk about First off, I want to thank you, and I know we didn't get the video pot up this week, for the free Yayo shirt that you're wearing. Always <laughs> looking out for your boy. Uh, you know what this game right here could do for everybody, though, is this game could have made everybody very, very, very rich if they had just taken a look at, uh, I think, live betting after the first touchdowns. It was 68 and a half. I think it started at 63 and a half the over and we're at 40 at halftime and that's with Oregon screwing up. So I, this would have been a, a monster way for you guys to make a ton of money. You should have came to your boy and asked me, I would have made you all rich. We're paying out mortgages with it. But other than that, you know, the weather here has kind of made it a crap college football day. Like, I enjoyed the Buckeye game, but I feel like the weather in Columbus actually just brought me down to a level where I was just like, eh, good win. Great job, guys. That's called mood weather, and what's funny is Chuck and I are coming at you, like I said, it's Saturday evening when we're recording. It's gray, it's been rainy, but the reason we're not doing coffee with the Hangout Boys is because Chuck is a baseball dad. And the morning of October 15th, huge baseball day, unbeknownst to your guy over here. So, uh, (laughs) but this is still going to be one of our normal quasi recap episodes. Obviously, Ohio State with a big win. Well, not big in the grand scheme of things, I should say, but a big win margin of victory wise over Purdue 41 to 7. In West Lafayette, the ghosts did not come out this weekend. Ohio State was in control from the get-go. But before we get to all that, Chuck, I want to talk about the platform and the presentation of this football game. I was not able to watch kickoff. Uh, I was out doing some things with family, got home closer to halftime, Tried to do the equivalent of DVR for Peacock. I had added it to my stuff. I was like, cool, I'm going to be covered. The Gosh, you want to talk about dog shit presentation from a streaming platform that wants to be considered a big boy, wants to get more of these games and things like that. 
It was so awful, man. Like, I was able to start over. They have no pregame, which is an interesting choice, right? And then I start watching. It'll lag. Then it'll speed up. It'll lag. Then it'll speed up. So that was awful. And, like, look, I don't have... I've got decent internet, all right? Your boy's doing okay in life. I can afford the extra four ninety nine for the 5G or whatever. I've got decent internet, okay, at the house. It's not been a, pro- <laughs> it's not been a problem before, um, but it was a problem with Peacock. And I could just go on and on and on. You know, Andrew Siciliano and Kyle Rudolph, nothing personal, especially because I think Kyle Rudolph's a Cincy boy, if I'm not mistaken. Um, not... Not a super duo, not a great tandem there. Um, You know, Andrew Siciliano, I caught a Jamie Eichenberg. I caught where uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. apparently looks just like Julian Fleming. They messed that up a time or two. Kyle Rudolph, just super vanilla, super bland. It was, and I don't, I'm not saying this to be like edgy or sarcastic or jump on the bandwagon. This was one of the worst presentations for a football game that I can recall. You know, I remember the early days of Big Ten Network. I thought that was bad. I was like, this is high school stuff. This is high school kids putting on a show. This was middle school production. They didn't even have commercials. It was elevator music over an ad of Fast X. I'm like, what are we doing? So what was your experience, Chuck, just watching the game? Watching live, it sucked too. And the part that really pisses me off is this is only happening because of the monetization, right? This is only happening because NBC has to pay for this big contract that they gave the Big Ten. And part of the way they're paying for it is putting these games on Peacock and making everybody sign up in the hopes that they forget. And they end up staying signed up for whatever it costs. It's uh, it, it's just brutal that that's what this has come to. So in order to get a pregame, you got to go watch NBC's pregame, which is awful. Like, it, it's just brutal. Those guys are terrible. I The nepotism, the fact that Chris Collinsworth's son has a job doing college football and it's just it's in it's insanity can i tell you a secret i don't mind jack jack's fine oh he's <laughs> but don't they have don't they have jason garrett and then they have matt castle does some yeah. of their stuff like matt castle what the hell why is matt castle on there michael was it michael robinson yeah he's terrible and look great buckeye josh perry's not I, 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 he's not my cup of tea when it comes to anything like studio doing games. I, I, I've listened to him be a color guy. I don't think he brings anything to it. Um, and then you turn the game on and Siciliano is just, he's actually a, I think he's a decent, um, like live cut in guy, but that's it. I don't think he can do, he can't hold it for three hours or for college four hours. And Kyle Rudolph, you could tell he literally just got off the field because he has no idea what the hell he's talking about. It's just he's never he hasn't been around college for 10 or 12 years because he had a super long, successful NFL career. And if you watched any, you know why he has the job, though. Notre Dame is NBC. Yeah, it's. But guess what? They're not on Peacock. 
So send his ass to the damn Notre Dame. Like, you go be a sideline reporter for them and bring us somebody that knows what the hell they're doing. You have committed to this contract for years now. Go go spend the money. And I know what's happening. They're going to keep these guys on in hopes that they get better through the contract. And that's just dog shit, in my opinion. The one guy that I was thinking of, and I know he's otherwise busy, but if you're going to have Peacock, and they've, they've gone on in, they've gone all the way in on Notre Dame for decades, right? But if you're going to launch Peacock and you want to have your own games, even though I'm not a big fan, give a blank check to Brady Quinn. You know, if you're like, hey, we have to go get somebody who's Notre Dame affiliated because that's what we're all about. Like, go go get somebody. Andrew Siciliano doesn't do it for me. To your point, Kyle Rudolph just got off the field. He sounded ill-prepared. Um, which makes sense, right? But the presentation's bad. And then even at halftime, you know, the halftime show, and I'm doing air quotes here, was four guys at a, at a uh, desk and 11 people watching live from behind the TV setup. That were, they were, I assume they were in South Bend for Notre Dame, right? Because they were wearing Notre Dame ponchos. It's 11 people. It was just, it was bad. And I don't know how... If that's going to be, like for Ohio State fans that watch this game, right, or just even casuals who wanted to watch Ohio State play, this is how you put your your best foot forward or your first foot forward or your make your first impression. It was awful, man. Like this is probably one of their biggest games of the year or was probably one of their biggest games of the year. And it's bad, man. Like break out some more stuff, do something a little bit more special, um, have some Ohio State people involved. Hell, have some per- – where's Drew Brees at? You know, I'm sure he'd like another crack at TV. Bring him in. Do something to set yourself apart other than the elevator music over Vin Diesel's mug. Like, super awesome. I'm so inspired to watch the rest of this game. Um, I thought that was bad. The problem you know? is – yeah, the, the problem is, is guess what? They don't have to because we're going to sit here and bitch about it. And next year, you and I may cancel Peacock, and a ton of people will, but a ton of people won't. They'll get their money, and next year, when Ohio State is playing Maryland on Peacock, even if we canceled, we're going to sign our asses right back up because we're they they've got you by the ball. They've got you by the ball. So you, you there's nothing you can do. You want to watch today's game? You go to Peacock. NBC doesn't give a damn if you actually enjoy it. They just care that you watch. The joke's on them, though, because if they thought today sucked me in, they're sorely mistaken. Because I've been paying for Peacock for the last 18 months. I've watched four minutes of EPL, which is why I signed up in the first place. So joke's on them. All right? I've been giving them my money for a long, hard time, and it has nothing to do with Ohio State football. So I feel like I'm the winner here. Hey, SummerSlam's coming up. We watching SummerSlam? There you go. The premium live events because we can't call them pay-per-views. or what? Yeah, I'm not doing that. They're pay-per-views. They'll always be pay-per-views in my book. Uh, I'm never going to change my stance on that. But another thing today too, Chuck, is Ohio State got an oddly timed commitment. Um, I think it was around the third quarter when this was announced. 2025 cornerback out of Maryland. Blake would be the number nine corner in the 2025 class. 
This one, it, the timing of it, like I said, struck me as sort of odd, right? Ohio State's not playing at home, so he wasn't on campus this weekend, but he had been to Ohio State a couple of times. He was here October 7th for the Maryland game, and good momentum, man, for especially for Tim Walton, right? He got the Ohio kids in this 2024 class that's coming up, presumably. Miles Lockhart out of Arizona. And now in the 2025 class, a signing from Blake Woodby. I haven't done my homework on him, but like I said, you look at it, he's out of Maryland. That's probably, I would have to assume that Larry Johnson was involved, even if he was just making a call to a, a guy he knows. That's sort of his territory, right? But Number 79 nationally in that 2025 class, number nine corner, sort of a sort of a big one here, Chuck. I know it's a ways it's a ways off, but you'll take an unexpected surprise positive commitment, right? You need all the top hunter commitments you can get. So I I agree. This this kind of gives you a little bit of leeway with the defensive backfield to kind of get creative and, and allows yourself to, to breathe a little bit. So I, I would love to have been in his house if it was something that went on during this game, or if the decision just came up and he knew part of it might be, you know, he, he wasn't a big name, but if you're going to try to get a little bit of social media presence, you do it during the game when everybody that, follows Ohio State is sitting on Twitter like I was refreshing every seven seconds to see that you're committed that all of a sudden everybody's in because you're committed and the Buckeyes are winning it's a a win-win for everybody so maybe that was his thought process and if it was hey good job by him it's all about publicity right and how you market yourself so yeah great job by him it may have been around the same time as when Denzel Burke exited and he might be thinking about a reclassification He'll be like, hey, guys, I'll be in Columbus. Can he be here next week? Exactly. I'll be there next week if you need me next weekend. And uh, he was actually recruited. I'm reading through real quick in real time because this is what we do in um, the content world. But Perry Eliano is actually his main recruiter. So good by him. And would be even brought up what Perry Eliano did or was able to do with Sauce Gardner. And that's that's always going to earn points and earn some credibility we we've talked about this before. We always thought it was sort of strange, right? That Perry Eliano was the safeties coach essentially, but he can still talk with corners. He can still extend an offer to corners. And that's what happened here in this case. So that's sort of your intro. I think we want to get into the game, Chuck. We should also bring up though too. And I know you, you're probably hoping to avoid this. Very, I don't want to say tragic because there's a lot of actual tragic stuff going on in the world, but sad, sad occurrence Friday evening in Boulder, Colorado for some of you listening, (laughs) this might be hard for you. I I guess, I guess your, your new fancy football team was up 29 to nothing at halftime Lost a game. You hate to see it. Coach Prime coughed up a 29-point lead. Colorado's now 4-3. and three. Their best win is over 3-3 three and three TCU. Hate to see it, Chuck. I, I didn't want to get to Ohio State without covering that first because it's story 2A in my book this year. How are you feeling about Coach Prime over there? Are you going to be all right? Man, I just saw his last six 
earlier today, and that might have been the straw that broke the bowl back. He's going to have to beat a top 25 team in order to make a bowl now. So it was a uh, it, it was I'm hoping a humbling experience for the Colorado Buffs. I still believe in Coach Prime. They did win one game last year, so he'll uh, he'll be OK. All right. Well, we've done enough stalling, Chuck. Why don't we take a break here? We'll do some ads. We'll pay your exorbitant salary. And then we will talk about this Ohio State victory in the House of Horrors, West Lafayette over Purdue. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody, to Hang Out in the Holy Land, Land Grant's flagship podcast with Chuck Holmes. I am Josh Dooley, and this is what you came here for. You came to, or you tuned in, I guess, to listen to Chuck and I talk about Ohio State football. And a good win today. Again, we're recording on Saturday evening. A good win for the Buckeyes, 41-7 over Purdue. We'll get into the game. I think the atmosphere and the location made this enough of a deal, right? Not a big deal, but enough of a deal. Chuck, you and I both gave predictions during the week that we thought Ohio State would cover or come close to, and at some point sort of, you know, take over the game. And it was sort of weird. I don't know that there was a takeover moment. There were ebbs and flows seemed like Ohio State was always, you know, on top, but there were there, there were down moments. We can talk about execution, we can talk about injuries, things like that. I think it speaks to our expectations and maybe even how spoiled we are. This is the first time this year Ohio State has put up 40 plus on a Power 5 opponent. Their defense gives up 7 points, came in the fourth quarter, garbage time. And, like, it's still – this team can get better. Like, this wasn't a complete game. Am I in the wrong here? No, this was a really good win that left a ton of meat on the bone for opportunities on both sides of the ball. I don't think either side of the ball played a flawless game, and they won by 35 points on the road in the Big Ten in a place – now, granted, Purdue's not a good team. They're just – they're not. But in a place – that has been, we've heard this a million times in the last week, a house of horrors for the Buckeyes. And they went in to handle business. It was never a game from the first possession. Once they missed that field goal, Purdue did, it was never a game from there. You got a little worried when they when they had that kind of ability to march down methodically. But once the Buckeyes went down and scored, you're like, oh yeah, this is this is over. And it was quick. And the weather when it started raining again, you're like, oh, well, maybe this could be something. And it wasn't. And that was uh, very reassuring because, you know, it's it's October and we're in the Midwest. And guess what? Next Saturday might be more of the same. And that's what I was trying to get around to. Like, it's exciting, but at the same time, not completely fulfilling because it was not a flawless performance. And yeah, it's a large margin of victory in a place that Ohio State has typically not enjoyed, but, and so I, I think that's good. There's a lot of things that we're going to get into. 
I guess before we do that, though, Chuck, let's talk about the injuries before we jump into this. I don't want to bury the lead here. I This has long been a frustration for Ohio State fans, right? That Ryan Day is very cagey. He keeps things close to the vest when it comes to health or lack thereof with his players announcing injuries or not announcing those injuries. During the week, he sort of tiptoed around Emeka Ibuka, and credit to you, you tweeted it, you said on our podcast, like, hey, he's not playing. What Ryan Day said is, oh, you know, we don't think it's going to be super long-term. He wasn't playing. We knew that. We got that. But everything we heard all week was Travion Henderson was trending in the right direction. Mayan Williams finished last week's game, looked good. We heard nothing. And then what do you know? Um, the Igbuka news is, I guess, sort of made official last night when Ohio State arrived in West Lafayette. And then poof, this morning, Mayan Williams, Travion Henderson out. What is going on, man? Like, why do we continue to have to deal with this? First off, and I'm, I'm going to go out on a very, I think, thick limb. The fact that they did not even travel Emeka Ibuka is not a good sign. Because if he was, to me, that means they don't even want him on his feet. They don't even want him moving around because they let Travion be on the sideline in sweats, moving around, talking to people, joking around. We'll get to this one. They let Chip train him after getting a concussion, do the exact same thing. And I'm not saying you should. If they're, you know, as somebody who uh, I've never been knocked out or close to it like he has, I don't know what, as long as you got somebody by him, it's probably okay. But for them to not even allow him to come with them and be on the sideline in sweats, this is not a short-term injury. This is going to be multiple weeks. I would be lured if he's in uniform next week for Penn State, and I would be... At this point, I'd be shocked if any any of them played. Like I know, uh, Ryan Day said in his post game presser, he hopes to have the whole running back room back. There's no way. Like there's no way if these guys can't. If Mayan was out prior to even working out today, if Travion is this, I mean, it, apparently pregame warmups it wasn't close. Like once he started getting pregame warmups, he didn't even finish the warmups. He was by the time they finished warmups, he was back out there in sweats. And for those of us that watched it live, I know they won't ever tell us this, but when Chip hit the ground, he was out. And I know he was only out for a second. And then he got up and he tried to run off. And that's when he fell again. But when he fell, and you guys can find this on social media if you want. I've seen it on Twitter a couple times. He hit and then he went to sideways. And when he hit the ground, he was helmet. He was face mask down. He was out. There's no way he plays next week. And he shouldn't. If that if he truly got knocked out, he should not play next week. So we won't know that for whatever reason. You they won't rule until ten ten a.m. when the new rules dictate that you have to put out your right. availability list. Meanwhile, he said at halftime, "We're going to reevaluate him at halftime." I'm like, "Are you kidding me? He was just out and he fell. How is how is there even a consideration after he falls? Like, so Purdue watched him fall too. They know." Like you're not hiding anything and, and Purdue's not already in the uh they're not already in the locker room watching the the half time yeah. interview. Like, give me a break. But but like 
Ryan Day may not have had a great view. I, I, I don't blame him for saying, hey, we'll evaluate him. That's probably just coach speak. He may not have had all the details, this, that, and the other. Um, but those are the pregame injuries, Chuck. There was one injury that occurred during this game that, gosh, it has me scared to no end. I think it's it's a huge deal, and of course, I'm talking about Denzel Burke. He got rolled up on in the second half. I, th- I think he walked off under his own power, but then he may or may not needed uh, some a little assistance heading to the locker room, did not come back. Chuck, that is the one that I think is just, it's a big deal moving forward because we were talking about this before the podcast. I, I don't know how to rank importance for players, especially when you're one of 11, like I, I, maybe you can say quarterbacks, number one, typically, um, you can probably say Marvin Harrison jr. Is near the top in terms of importance, just because he's an alien, right? I don't know the level of importance that Denzel Burke is to this team or brings to this team, but I would make an argument that he has been the second best player on the Ohio state Buckeyes football team this year. And if he is out for any period of time, but more specifically next week, that could spell trouble, man, because Denzel Burke has essentially locked down one entire side of the field. He had a nice pass breakup in the end zone today. He's delivered some big hits. He has been 2021 Burke on steroids. Not, I shouldn't say that, not literally, <laughs> but you know what I mean, right? He has come back with a vengeance and been, he's at least playing at a Big Ten level, maybe an All-American level. Chuck, how significant is the potential injury to Denzel Burke in that secondary? It's significant because, obviously, of everything you said, but the other part of this, and this may be a little hyperbole for me, but it's not a lot of hyperbole. When was the last guy that left a game and had to go to a locker room for Ohio State that actually played the next week? Like, once, and and this is this is the sh- this is what you guys as you're listening. That's usually you're going to get is, like get an MRI or something, right? This is exactly what you think it is. This is a shot at the uh, training staff of the Ohio State football team. They are not doing their job to get these guys ready to play. There's no way these continually. So I take that back. If they are getting them ready to play, then Ohio State players are the softest players ever. And do we all think that? We don't. None of us think that. So it comes back to they're not doing – look at – I mean, we don't have to go into the past to talk about injuries that have lingered that had no business of lingering. So to me, I would almost – it's the same thing. I would book Burke not playing next week because they're not going to get him ready to play. I think – yeah, so the the second part of what you said, can they get somebody who is banged up ready? And that's where you lack confidence, and I can't knock you for that. Neither one of us, like, Denzel Burt got rolled up on, so there's no questioning his toughness. Even when it comes to the running backs that didn't play today, I would not question their toughness. I'm just, I'm not going to do that about another individual, especially a high-level athlete who could knock me out, Right. Eventually, you know, I, I might, I might get one or two shots in, but that's just that's here nor there. Um, but yeah, how do these guys? I'm talking about the running backs in particular. How do these guys like finish games 
look fine. And I know adrenaline has something to do with this, but how do they... Oh, great. Trayvon Henderson, post-game handshakes. He's doing singing um, Carmen, Ohio. And then we don't see him for two or three weeks. I, how does that happen? Mayan Williams literally finished the game for Ohio State as the running back last week. And I didn't see him hobble off. I didn't see him stretchered off or carted off. And, you know, he was doing some of the same things post-game. And then, oh, mine's not available this week. And we don't know why with him. I don't even think they said what it was. So, yeah, that's probably a thinly veiled shot at the training staff. I know that Land Grant's own Gene Ross has been on this for, seems like, years. I, maybe check in the mail to Chuck, and Chuck has gone over to that side. But I don't want to focus too much on the negative. I think that there are some real concerns going into next week, especially because Penn State has had two bye weeks, an actual one, and then UMass. Great tune-up game for them today. They're up infinity to zero. They have 46 sacks through three quarters. Feel great about that. couple weeks off for them, but let's flip the script here. Let's talk about this game. Let's talk about some positive things. Ohio State went for 334 through the air, buck 50 on the ground. That's with Kyle McCord's sack yardage. Probably something we should talk about. Um, three sacks in this game, one and a half each by Jack Sawyer and JT Tuimoloau. Nine total tackles for loss. The Buckeyes defense held Purdue to 134 yards passing, 123 on the ground. Although, a couple chunk plays, you take that away. The running game was not super effective for Purdue. Let's just use our use our usual MO here, Chuck. Let's go position group by position group. Let's talk about some players. Let's start with quarterback. You said something interesting before we started recording the pod that I want you to sort of tell all the listeners about. But Kyle McCord, the numbers say 16 for 28, 276 yards, three touchdowns. It took me six hours to watch this game on the Peacock DVR thing, but I eventually (laughs) made it through all of his throws. He had probably four to five stone cold drops. Um, a couple by Marvin Harrison that were surprising. And he got beat up, honestly. Like, I know he, it, it says that Purdue had three sacks. They probably had eight, nine, ten hits. You know, Kyle McCord had the bloody left elbow. He got taken to the ground a couple of other times. I thought he was dynamite, though. I, I, I thought that a couple balls maybe floated here and there, but you're going to get that in weather, I think. He was throwing confidently. He was throwing on base, off base. I'm still not sure that Kyle McCord has ever been fully set with his feet making a throw, but it works for him sometimes. It's when he releases it, I'm like, no, 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 no. But he knows what he's doing. That's clearly what he's comfortable with. And the play that I really liked, it was an incompletion. Um, And I think Ohio State may have punted on this drive, but it was after a Marvin Harrison drop. And McCord got blitzed. Purdue got home. And Kyle McCord did sort of a reverse spin. Went over his opposite shoulder. Threw one deep to Xavier Johnson. It was there. And Xavier Johnson dropped it. But Kyle McCord's starting to make some plays. I He's not Braxton Miller. He's not JT Barrett. Right? But he can do, he can do a heck of a lot more than C.J. Stroud, in my opinion. Just 
as an athlete or he's willing to because CJ McCord, I don't think he was ever a poor athlete. It was the willingness or the, the, the comfort level. Kyle McCord's moving around, making plays. He's making good, important throws. And I think we've seen a lot of growth from him, even if the numbers aren't Caleb Williams-esque. Would you agree? I would. And I, I would say even with the terrible fumble, which he, he's got to have a yeah. better grab. That's a couple there. of them. That's yep. a bad one. Yeah, and that that's a couple of those. And then another really bad grounding. I don't even know what he was thinking with that grounding. Like you're just you, you were nowhere near getting out of that. Those two plays are bad, and we do need him to. To his credit, when's the last time an Ohio State quarterback played behind an offensive line this bad? Like he's no, he's, he's still smooth back right there. Yeah, don't, yeah. Don't get me wrong. He's running for his life, and he did. He had multiple receivers drop balls. That Xavier Johnson pass was a bad drop. Uh, Fleming dropped the first one of the game. Yep. I, I would have. If I were you, it's a good thing you weren't watching live and had to catch that later because I, and I knew this, if I, not, you should have put your your property up on Fleming Island and just took the loss because <laughs> he only got one more pass thrown or one more catch. Like if you can't get catches in this game, but I digress, but there were multiple Marv had another third down catch that literally he was, there was not a defender within five yards of him. And this is where Marvin is, is so good. He is so good that he's wide open and that that's great, but his focus wasn't there and it bounced off his hands. The one that he didn't get his eyes turned around, you know, when you're running that route, as soon as you get clear of the defender, you have got to whip your head around because that ball should already be out. And guess what? It was already out and it hit off of his hands because he didn't get his head turned around fast enough. Those are not on McCord. McCord easily in the rain could have had 350 today. He almost got rid of the one he got crushed. The DB came on the corner blitz and Josh Simmons still doesn't know that the DB came uh, even now. He watched the film already and still didn't see him. He was an eighth of a second getting rid of that. It, it caused him to be just a little bit short on his throw. If he's able to just get that out that literally an eighth of a second or a quarter of a second quicker, that's a 60 or a 50 yard touchdown. So he's seeing stuff that he wasn't seeing earlier in the year. And I, I'm nothing but impressed by him because like you said, he is running for his life. He got crushed multiple times today and did not didn't flinch i want you to tell the listeners what you told me though where does this performance rank for kyle mccord in your opinion of hit it, it's his best performance by far you think it's his it's best not, to me it's not it's not even close to me because between the weather the boogeyman that it was and he hasn't gotten hit like this the one thing about the offensive line we've said they're Run blocking has been atrocious, but their pass blocking has been passable. It was not today. And maybe it's some of it's Walter's defense, but he, like you said, he had to have gotten put on his butt 12 times today, three sacks, another seven, eight, nine times that he got hit as he was throwing. And a couple of those, he got crushed. The one that he, that he missed the throw deep, the fumble. And then even though he was getting caught from behind, the one that he, did the intentional grounding, he hit hard. Like those are not easy plays to absorb and continue. And you didn't even see any kind of panic or anything. He was just going. He's a like he's earning my respect 
more and more every week. I'm I'm uh, I'm almost in the Kyle McCord hive with you. Almost. Say what you will about the guy. Like he's not the prospect that C.J. Stroud ever was. C.J. Stroud's the best rookie quarterback in the NFL by a mile right now. But what Kyle McCord is doing is like he's proving that he's got moxie that he doesn't back down that he's willing to you know flirt around with danger maybe in in anticipation or with the expectation that he's going to make a play I mean I I don't want to blow it out of proportion but look at how many big third and fourth down conversions has he had this year probably too many to count right like I think about even last week, what was it? Second and 33, third and 33, the bomb to Marvin Harrison Jr. Granted, Marv's catch sort of made that, um, but he's had third down conversions. He's had fourth down conversions. He had the drive against Notre Dame. Um, He's taking care of the football, except for the fumbles. You're right. like That comes with experience and time, but he's not throwing interceptions. Knock on wood. I hope you hear that. He's doing some really good things, and I don't know that he's ever going to become like that top five prospect, but man, like he's tough, and I think he's earning a lot of respect from Ohio State fans and just college football fans if they're watching some of these games because he's a dude. That's what I'd call him. He's a dude. I don't know if he's an elite prospect, but I'll take him. Uh, you know, and I hope Ohio State doesn't end up six and six and we look back and it's like, oh man, he forgot how to make decisions, but he's showing me a lot. He's not the only quarterback we're gonna talk about though. Um Devin Brown out of nowhere just shows up in this game like the the friend or the buddy you haven't seen in a while. You go to a party with some other friends and it's oh Hey, Devin's here. I haven't seen him in a month. Shows up in West Lafayette. Maybe snuck in. Who knows at this point. They used him around the goal line. I know you want to talk about the fumble. But he added an element with the quarterback run game. It's something that even if it's five minutes, Penn State may have to prepare for that or think about that for next week's game. And then he threw a nice pass. We've seen him... He struggled early on, right? But the last game, and it's slipping my mind right now, where he got some good reps in the second quarter, he made some good throws. Carnell Tate touched down on a long one, made some really good throws. Today, throws a nice ball to Brandon Innes, who we'll get to. I don't want Ohio State to use two quarterbacks with regularity. and But some people hated the Devin Brown goal line thing. I don't. I, I didn't, especially because Ohio State has had some issues in short yardage and around the the red zone, around the goal line. I don't want to see it often, but I like that wrinkle. I sort of liked that we got to see Devin Brown in this football game. I like that they actually tried something different. Like they did a quarterback sneak today. They brought Devin Brown in. And yes, the, the fumble, that can't happen. Just cannot happen. How did Dallin Hayden not fall on that, by the way? I know it. I know it. <laughs> the part that I struggle with him, and I disagree with you on that throw, if he can't make that throw, he can't even be on the Ohio State roster. Ennis was wide open. I mean, that that play was made by Ennis, but he is too jumpy with his decisions. He's got to slow down a half a tick. I feel like some of these three-yard gains could be seven-yard gains if he would like 
there were multiple times, and I get it, you probably need to be close, but he pulled one and he was behind Hayden and like he was almost tripping on Dallin Hayden's feet. Was it that one? Or I think there was earlier Chip was his lead blocker. Now Chip missed the block also, which didn't help, but I know exactly which one you're talking about. Yep. But even if he makes the block, that probably slows Chip up and he's so close to him, he might run into him. You've got to give your guy some space. And I get it. He's just dying to make a play. And I applaud him. Like that drive is a good thing, but he's got to, He's got to slow the heart rate down 10 beats a minute and take his time and he could be a piece. Now, this was the game to try it. Now you got the QB sneak on film and that actually works. So I, to me, that's the third and one until they stop it. You got that on film and you know what? I would have him standing right. As soon as you get into the red zone, I would have him standing right next to Brian Hartline. I mean, I'm talking Hartline should have him by his collar, even if he's not going in, and he should be ready to fake push him into a game the entire game next week on any single short yardage just to get them looking and have a set of Penn State eyes on him. And it mattered a little bit too, right? Like I know this is Purdue. We we get that, right? But they brought him in early and it was near the goal line. It wasn't at you know, their own 30 to try and pick up a yard. So the stakes weren't super high, but they weren't on the ground either. You know what I mean? Like this was an actual moment. So I think that that was good for them. On the other side, we'll talk more about Ohio State's defense, but Hudson Card, I feel like we kind of talked him up a little bit. He sucks. (laughs) Boy, is he bad. I think he's got a shoulder thing, but I just wanted to bring him up. And humble ourselves a little bit because we were like, I don't know, man. Watch out for Hudson Card. He might. He wasn't tricky. He wasn't cagey. He didn't do much. Um, not a successful game for him. But let's stick primarily with Ohio State. Let's move on to running backs. A running game by committee uh, certainly wasn't what we expected. I, I assumed that Travion Henderson would be the one. Chip Trainum would be the two. Mayan Williams would be the three. That's probably all we would see. Uh, you know, the two guys are announced out before the game. We expect Chip Trainum to start. Maybe Xavier Johnson, maybe Dallin Hayden. It worked out, but not the way that we thought that it would. Trainum goes down with the concussion. Xavier Johnson had been involved throughout. He had five carries for 39 yards. Chip started with six for 28. But then, gosh, you want to talk about a guy. You want to talk about a dude who just comes in when called upon? Like, I don't know Dallin Hayden, but a year and a half, it's been like a year and a half of too dumb to know better. And I'm not actually insulting his intelligence. It's just like, oh, I don't know that this is a moment or that I haven't played. Throw me in there and I'll play football. I love that about him. He comes in this game, gets the most carries, 11 carries for 76 yards, long of 19. He had a short touchdown run near the goal line. The thing with Dallin Hayden is I I don't know that he's the most talented running back on this team. I still believe that Travion Henderson is the most talented running back on this Ohio State roster. But Dallin Hayden gets the ball, and he just goes. 
Like there's there's very little dancing. He is a decisive runner, even at a young age. And that's where I say maybe too dumb to know better. Like he's not worried about what if. He's worried about what's in front. What do I see? What are my eyes telling me? My feet are gonna follow my eyes. And I think that that makes Dallin Hayden a very dangerous weapon if they're gonna continue to use him. He might be the best running back fit for this offensive line because of that, right? He hits the hole. These holes aren't open long. <laughs> You're no, not, not hitting like, and, and that's why some of these plays that they run don't work because you can't keep holes open for two seconds. So he does, he can he, he takes the ball and he's through the hole and he's gone. He doesn't care. So that might be something. And, and for all his, um, great skill and athletic ability, Travion Henderson likes to dance a little bit. And this is not the line to dance with. You're not going to be able to, they're not going to stay in front of their guy. You're going to dance right into getting smacked in the face. And it's happened a few times this year, right? He's gotten swallowed up in the backfield because he wants to uh, try to jump cut somebody. And, and it works great when it's working great. But when it's not, you need somebody that can just put their head down and go through the hole and, and make a play out of seemingly nothing. And that was, that was Hayden today. I don't know. I know we talked about McCord having a great game, but Hayden coming in as soon as he came in and just setting the tone that it does not matter that I'm the four string running back. We are going to control this game on the ground to kind of set the tone for the rest of the game. And it almost demoralized Purdue's defense that they're on fourth string and we can't stop them. What the hell are we going to do? I almost wonder if this was or has been the most genius usage of Dallin Hayden. They see his talent. Get out of here. No, no, no. Wait. Let me let me cook. Let me cook. Let me cook. Ohio State coaches know his talent. They saw what he did last year, but they like their guys, right? Unfortunately, seniority rules in Columbus. I think Travion Henderson's truly awesome. Chip Trainum's the big back. I thought Mayan Williams was good. I, I have no clue what happened or what has happened with him this year. But just being the young guy, they're like, Dallin, you're fourth string, man. But they were just they were buying their time. They were buying their time. They're like, we know Trayvon Henderson's gonna miss a game. We know Mayan Williams is gonna miss a game. Chip Trainum's never been a full time guy. They were just waiting for the moment to break the glass on Dallin Hayden, and they did this week. I wouldn't be shocked if we see him heavily involved next week, and then he goes back on ice until around Thanksgiving. When Ohio State goes to Ann Arbor, like they're like, all right, there's four games we're going to use you in. Obviously, I'm joking, but damn, it's good to have him and have that availability if an emergency comes up. Yeah, to me, you burn his... I, I'm a... Those that are producing get the reps. I, I would burn his red shirt now. I would tell him you're the you're the damn starting running back. I really would. And you know what? You're healthy. And you, if you get hurt, well, you still got your red shirt. Whatever. But I would not. The, the guys that can't stay healthy don't get. They don't. You you can lose your job, especially when Ryan Day can lose his job because of these injuries. He should absolutely follow the. Uh, mantra of you can lose your job to an injury if the guy that replaces you is producing. And I, to me, you, you start him. He gets the first carry next week, in my opinion. I wouldn't be completely shocked. And yeah, I think that I'm with you 
the best guy plays. Best guy needs to play whoever that is. And Hayden, he's never really not been good. I know that he didn't have you know a, a handful of outstanding performances last year, but he had a couple, or he looked good a couple of times. So we'll see. It may have been a cool plan if he, as long as he was on board to do the red shirt, if they weren't going to need him. But it seems like the new thing at Ohio State is the running backs aren't going to hold up. And again, I, I don't know what that is. Maybe that's training staff. Maybe that's something fluky. Maybe that's the way they're handled. That's what's frustrating to me. I don't know if the staff knows how to handle, like the training staff knows how to train running backs, take care of that. Who the hell knows? I don't have answers. But what I do know is it was great to have Dallin Hayden available today. Couple other numbers. Devin Brown, eight for twenty, could have had two touchdowns. Evan Pryor got in there at the end. Good to at least see him. Three carries for two. Kyle McCord had a ton of sack yardage, but I do want to bring up that they ran an option with him and Xavier Johnson. And I was like, I don't know who the hell drew that up, but I'll take it. Ryan Day may have been forced to get into his bag a little bit today. And it's it's sad, but at the same time, it's promising to see some creativity about it from him and that's maybe part of a larger conversation I don't know if we want to do two hours today but that's another thing to keep in mind like it seems like when he really 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 thinks he needs it Ryan Day is willing to dig in we saw that with the running game we saw that with the option we saw a bunch of different things today Ohio State wide receivers Marvin Harrison Jr. led the group six catches for 105 yards you mentioned a couple drops but he also had a touchdown, could have had two if he had stayed inbounds. Julian Fleming, gosh, my my guy, total no-show today, one for nine. Carnell Tate was the second leading receiver. He didn't play a ton. Xavier Johnson and Fleming were on the field quite a bit, but Carnell Tate had three for 79. Long one late in the game. Brandon Innes, true freshman Brandon Innes. Third on the team. Only one catch, his first catch. But damn it if he didn't make it count. 58 yards, house call. Nice play with the ball in his hands. Cade Stover, just the dude of all dudes, I think, at this point. He's so reliable. Four for 53, two tutties. And then Xavier Johnson, one for 21. I know Ohio State had the drops. You don't want those. You can't have those against Penn State. But I thought down, down Emeka Igbuka, a couple of guys stepped up just in presence or like just getting some touches, doing what they needed to do. Overall, like an okay performance that resulted in 41 points from these wide receivers. But Marv's unguardable. We know what we got there. Hopefully they're all healthy next week. What say you, Chuck? Marv is unguardable, but the drops and the, the not being ready to catch the ball stuff, like this is what we we they praised him for this stuff for the last year plus, and he's not living up to that expectation. He is a freak athlete. His route running is second to none. He is fast. He's big. He's physical. And when his head's right, he is hands down the best receiver in college football. Watching this Washington Oregon game, and Rome is going to be the second receiver off the board supposedly and he can't carry Marvin Harrison's jock strap. He's a really good receiver. He cannot carry his jock strap, but the drops, 
the third down drop that he had that just bounced off his hands when there was nobody within six yards of him, that's inexcusable. Cannot happen. You can't get all this praise and then not take a little bit of criticism when you're not handling business. And for whatever reason, mentally today, he was not locked in on every single snap, and it cost him a couple of big plays. Those two catches that he missed cost him 30, 35 yards because the one where he didn't get his head snapped around, he had his guy beat. He's running. It could have been 50 yards for all I know. I don't have the all 22 yet, but he could have been running forever. Then all of a sudden he's at eight for 155. And now we're talking about an all world performance versus just a really good one. That's fair. I I, don't, I honestly don't know. I, I'm not going to nitpick Marvin Harrison Jr. It Sometimes when you're crushing another team too it it shouldn't be this way yeah but it wasn't like that yet it's not like this was fourth quarter like the one of them was in the second quarter and one of them was early in the third you can't do that like you can't if you're the dog that people say you are you are a killer no matter the score kobe bryant never ever get let up in the fourth quarter of a blowout uh cj never let up even didn't Kobe year, Bryant qu- didn't Kobe Bryant quit during the playoffs? We're not, we're not talking about. Uh, talking I got you then. Okay. Okay. Guess what? C.J. Stroud didn't start throwing balls into the ground last year when he was at 600 yards passing, and they were up 40 yards. Guys like that don't do that. So if he's going to be put in that upper echelon, and we have rightfully so, he belongs up there. He has to play an entire game. You can't drop the ball or you can't get your head snapped around because you're not locked into your route and cost your team two different first downs and then still be saying you're the best wide receiver in the world. You got to have it both ways. I'm moving on. I don't know why you har- you hate Marvin Harrison Jr. as much I, as you do. That's just Marvin, that's insane. <laughs> if we're going to move on, can we can we agree to something? Can we just move to defense? What are we going to talk about here? Do we do we need to talk about the line? No, we we can't. Let's move. Let's move to defense. Um, I will say Carnell Tate probably needs to be the third receiver on this team. Oh, and yeah, he's got to play. He's got to play. I, I know he's not a perfect player, but Cade Stover, like he's he's reliable, man. When you need somebody on the field, when this person's hurt or that person's hurt, Cade Stover's there. We know he got knocked out against Georgia. That may have changed the tenor of the game, if we're being completely honest. So. I continue to be impressed with him. And yeah, we can probably skip over the offense. They were better run blocking today. They opened up some holes. I I wouldn't say they got to the second level often. They made it to level 1.5 a couple of times. But the pass pro is becoming concerning, especially when you see that Penn State has like 14 sacks through three quarters. Granted, it's UMass. But yeah, let's get defense because... I'd say outstanding performance, but it was an outstanding performance from Ohio State's defense, but it was just as much of a a crappy, underwhelming performance from Purdue's offense, if that makes sense. But Chuck, I'll let you have the floor. What do you want to talk about with this defense? Where's your head at? Before the defense, you and I talked, I, I sent you, ESPN did an article ranking all the transfer quarterbacks from A to D minus, and the overwhelming um, evidence in those was if a quarterback was crappy at his previous school, even if he took a step down and you would 
say Texas to Purdue is a step down, even if they step down, they still sucked. All of them. Some of the guys are, that are good were good previously or they didn't play previously. But none of the guys that stunk in their previous style. And let's be honest, Card wasn't great. He was fine. But Ewers took the job from him. And Ewers wasn't good when he took the job from him. And guess what? He stinks still. Even if it doesn't matter, he still stinks. That being said, the defensive line play today was the best it's been all year. And call me crazy, I wonder if some of that was because Kenyatta Jackson got some reps, Caden Gurry got some reps in the game when it mattered. And guess what? That allowed Jack Sawyer and JT to fly around and not have to worry about playing 70 snaps today. And they got after the quarterback. Not only did they both get credit for a sack and a half, like they were around him multiple times in position. Jack Sawyer got a roughing the passer called on him. <laughs> That's amazing. I love it. It was a late hit. He was still in the play. And it was, I man, I thought it was really close. Like I thought it was a clean hit when he hit him. But it, it didn't hurt him because it took him from the two to the one. And that was the second doink or the second shank that 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 play. Like I, I lost track. Fact. I just know Purdue had better kickers in the stands. I loved that he got the you never want the penalty, but the fact that he was going after the quarterback is exactly what they need. And for him to take that step, if if Jack Sawyer is going to be somebody that can, let's face it, he's going to get single covered. If he can take some single coverage and put some pressure like this, lights out defensive line performance in my book. Um, linebackers were a different story again. Uh, I think Tommy was good. I think Cody was good. But I, I think the conversation probably needs to be had about whether Steel Chambers is one of the top two linebackers on this team. Because even though I have not been a Cody Simon fan forever because he did not play well two years ago and he was only OK last year. God, did he play a lot better than Steel Chambers did today. I think what I am seeing with those linebackers, and I want to get back to the defensive line too, but we're on linebackers right now. I think what's becoming maybe sort of evident to me is that Steel Chambers, in my opinion, is more of a sub-package linebacker. Like He's a really athletic guy, and he likes to play linebacker, right? He'll, he'll hit. He's occasionally okay in the run game, but like... He's really out there for his athleticism. He is the yin to Tommy Eichenberg's yang, right? Because he is the athletic one. Tommy Eichenberg is athletic enough, but he's not hes not Fred Warner out there, right? And he's your pro, sort of prototypical Mike linebacker in a lot of different defenses. I don't think the 5-2 does – or not the 5-2, the – the alignment, I guess, or the scheme that Jim Knowles runs, I don't think that that does steal a lot of favors, even though he played well enough last year. I, you know, I think he's an outside guy in a 4-3 scheme, frankly. Um, but yeah, he hasn't played too well the last couple of games, really going back to Notre Dame. Uh, you'd have to look at the PFF grades, but I know those two games plus whatever today probably hasn't cracked 65-ish. And I don't buy into those grades per se, but it hasn't been great. Cody Simon 
Purdue wasn't able to take advantage of Cody Simon. I think that's why Cody Simon looked good. They weren't able to make him guess. They weren't able to fool him often enough. But credit to him. He's also a guy. Cody Simon's a first, second down linebacker against a team that likes to run or that can't throw the ball very well, that doesn't have a ton of weapons on the outside. And I think that's sort of what Purdue is or was. And maybe that does change the alignment moving forward, depending on the team, right? If Michigan wants to run the ball, if they go run heavy the whole second half of the year, then Cody Simon's probably the guy. Um, If Penn State's missing a wide receiver or a tight end, you know they've got the two running backs, maybe Cody Simon's a guy. But I don't think that we're going to see change. I think it's going to be very situational. They're going to get a feel for it. Ohio State coaches are, and they're like, all right, this is more of a Cody game. And he played a lot today. He had eight tackles to steal Chambers' four. He did outplay him, so credit to him. I want to go back to the defensive line, though, too. Really good performance. I think that this was Jack Sawyer's best game. It's easy to say when he got a sack and a half, and he hasn't done that in any other games, but he was disruptive. Yeah, he was aggressive. Same thing for JT Tuimolau, although the one sack, like he literally just put his hand on Hudson Card's back, and Hudson was like, all right, I'm going down. Hey, take the, Yeah, take those, though. You need to pat those stats, baby. Yeah, but he got there, right? Like He, he gets the full credit for, for being there and getting to the quarterback. They're playing better. I think that they probably heard a lot of the outside noise. Hopefully they heard a lot of the inside noise. Hopefully the coaches were all on their ass. Like, hey, we're counting on you guys. Um, do you think Do you think they listened to the pod? you think any of them listened to us? I think there's definitely a likelihood, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I figure the defensive line just shares it amongst each other and then calls us every name. And my, no, I my think our faces are in their lockers. They're ready to smash our faces in. I think Julian Fleming listens to every one of these because I'm his biggest supporter. I think Cade Stover probably checks out a couple episodes. Maybe Kyle McCord. I've been all in on some guys to a stubborn extent. But elsewhere on the defense, Chuck, hard to really gauge the secondary too, too much. Davis and Igbenosa continues to be a good number two. He's not nearly the cover guy that Denzel Burke is, which, again, very concerning for next week, potentially. But he's not bad, man. Like, he's a good Robin, and he's physical. He likes to get his hands on you. He will absolutely tackle. He played decent in this game. Denzel Burke had three tackles. Jordan Hancock played, moved around a little bit, some because of the Denzel Burke injury, some because they were just moving him around like they have in games past. He had four tackles. Uh, Lathan Ransom, Sonny Styles didn't see much from either one of them, and that's not necessarily a bad game. I think the games are a little bit more enjoyable or I get a kick out of seeing Lathan Ransom and Sonny Styles make big plays. I wish they would do it every single week, but if you're not tested, what are you going to do, right? They didn't let anything past them. Nothing went wrong. That's in the end. That's sort of what safeties do. They're not always going to make the big plays. They're going to prohibit big plays and they may have done a little bit more of that this day, but Solid performance from the secondary. Josh Proctor, forgot about him, obviously. Two tackles, but same deal. Not very impactful. Doesn't mean he played poorly. 
who is what do you think the lineup is if 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 and I hope this is not the case what do you think the lineup is next week if Denzel Burke can't go I mean doesn't Hancock just move outside and then they don't do the switching back and forth at the nickel and Sonny just is the nickel guy I know I mean because that's in reality that's what the defense is is three safeties and Sonny's just got to hold up at the nickel can I can I talk you into any Jermaine Matthews Jr. minutes? I mean, he had the pick six earlier. He came in. Granted, it was sort of garbage played, time today. Played, yeah, and he played a lot today, and he was around the ball a little bit. I'm not opposed to it, especially if Penn State's picking on that slot because, let's be honest, Sonny's not going to stick with receivers every single snap. So if they're three wide and they're consistently picking on him, I'm I'm not opposed to it. Um, I just, who, I guess, would you put Matthews outside then? Would you put him in Burke's spot? I know Igbenosin moved over there, but did he move back to the right side towards the end of his tenure? He did not stick on the left side. He moved back over to the right. I maybe, and maybe they were just trying to, because the game was out of hand at that point. Maybe they were just trying somebody else. I didn't see who was on the left side, but I know he wasn't the entire time. So it'll be interesting to see because he hasn't moved and neither has Hancock. And it might be easier to just put whoever, if you're going to put Matthews out there, just put him on the left side. So everybody's familiar with their spot. And I'm not predicting a Jermaine Matthews start by any means. I, I, I hope, I hope, I hope that Denzel Burke is available and ready to go, but Maybe it depends on strength, and maybe Penn State will dictate what Ohio State does because Jordan Hancock is your slot guy, right? They may force Ohio State into that situation, and it might benefit Penn State to try that. Say, hey, we're going we're gonna to go three wide, four wide, something like that, to force Ohio State to use their young guy. So I know he hasn't been out there a ton. I know he hasn't really been tested, but I think it's, it's good that – Jermaine Matthews has been out there. He's, I think, acquitted himself as well as one, you know, could expect for a young guy. But, man, interesting is probably the right word. And it's probably the wrong word for this game in the grand scheme of things, Chuck, as we look to sort of wrap this up. Yeah, we don't don't need interesting, right? We don't need interesting. We need solid Ready to go, no questions asked. And Ohio State was very solid today. We talked about some of the the negatives, but a place that they don't like to visit, it's a 34-point win. It's the first time, like I said, that they put up 40-plus on a Power 5 opponent. Ryan Walters was throwing everything he had at them. And, you know, Ohio State won by 34 with their, I don't know, Chuck, would you call it overall? A B game? I think that's fair. B, B. They weren't a. You probably had a. You probably had a C to average out, right? Yeah, it's it was a B game, and they won by thirty four on the road in shit weather. Absolutely. So let's get into our end of pod awards or categories here. Chuck, give me a winner or two from today's game. Uh, Cody Simon was a winner. Jack Sawyer was a winner. I'm going to let you have the most obvious one. I'm going to go with those two, Jack Sawyer and Cody Simon. I don't always go obvious. I'll give you a bunch of them, though. Kyle McCord showed guts, showed moxie. He's a winner. Dallin Hayden, absolute winner. 
Kate Stover, another winner, and I might use him again, but there were some guys who played really, really strong games today. So those are my couple. On the other side, unfortunately, what you got? Can I give you a, a winner that uh, doesn't play for Ohio State? So this Maccabee kid that Purdue's got, holy smokes, is he a stud? And he was, he was good last year. Prior he to, was good last year. Yep. He was good, and he was a damn walk-on. Jeff Brom should be shot into the sun for not putting this guy on scholarship. So Maccabee's a winner for me, and I'm going to start the losers off with Jeff Brom being terrible at talent evaluation. All right, give me some Ohio State losers, though. Uh, I, the, the training staff won. I, honestly, I think Travion Henderson's a loser today because – he, he's going to carries because of Dallin Hayden's performance, in, in my opinion. Uh, and I think Jaden Fielding, because if he kicks one more bleeping kickoff out of bounds, I'm going to blow a gasket. Or Good misses Lord a college extra point games. from two yards out. Like, whatever. You miss one of those a year. I'm okay with it. But that's two straight games he's kicked the ball out of bounds. You can't kick the ball out of bounds against Penn State. Kick the damn ball into the end zone and get the hell off the field. You're a kicker. Let's go. So losers for me today. I was going to give you somebody else whose initials are JF, but at this point he's just my family, so I'm not going to do it. But it may or may not be some guy who could have stepped up in the absence of Emeka Ibuka. I'll say Steel Chambers. This is three in a row. Hasn't been great. Um, I'll say Josh Simmons, who, you know, he had a holding call. He was probably credited with giving up a sack. And then Ryan Day got got in his ear hole on the sideline. Um, got in his face. May have been borderline inappropriate. Like, some coaches... He said some words that you're not allowed to say on uh, network television. He got in... Joshua Simmons. So I got I got to say Simmons and well the most obvious loser from now until the end of time is the brand trust at Peacock. You have a horrible product with a horrible presentation, and you know the next time I watch Peacock will be too soon in my book. That leaves fantasy MVPs. Chuck, give me one or two fantasy MVPs. As I know you're probably looking at your lineup because we play tomorrow in at least one league. But for Ohio State, give me a fantasy MVP or two. Uh, I'm going to leave the obvious one to you. So I'm going to stick with Kyle McCord. 276 and three touchdowns. Getting it done, man. No picks. That's a, a solid, solid game from a quarterback. I'm going Cade Stover. Was there really any a doubt? If you... No, two touchdowns for a tight end. That's a win, man. And 50 yards. So, I mean, PPR, you're looking at 21 points from your tight end. I'll take that every single day. He's he's honestly sort of becoming Travis Kelsey. And I don't know the... <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's time to get on. The pod's got to end now. Holy so How many drinks have you had in the last hour and a half? Not enough. Peacock just had me open a bottle. But you're right. Before I say anything that I don't believe or mean, we probably should get out of here. I didn't anticipate going 70 minutes on Purdue. But you and I were professionals. We get on the mic, and it just it's what happens. It is what it is. But 
we are going to be out of here. I apologize for saying today a million times, even though you guys are going to listen to this on Sunday. Apologies. I'll be better when you hear us on Wednesday. But Wednesday is going to be a big one, Chuck. We're going to be talking Penn State. We're going to be talking a, what, top three, top four, top five matchup. Who knows by the end of the weekend. It's it's the first, It's not the first real big one, but man, the, this one's going to count for a whole heck of a lot, Chuck. So I'm looking forward to it. Like I said, we'll be back in your ear holes on Wednesday. But until then, for Chuck Holmes, I am Josh Dooley. You know how we sign off. Go Bucks.